Okay, let's read another number, or maybe even two here, from the Catechism on Contemplative Prayer. 2714, contemplative prayer is also the preeminently intense time of prayer. In it, the Father strengthens our inner being with power through His Spirit, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, and we may be grounded in love. It's true, it can be intense for many reasons. We experience the intensity of God's love. We experience the intensity of our own poverty and the wounds, the desires, the fears, all of that can be intense. Let's read 2015 too. Contemplation is a gaze of faith fixed on Jesus. I look at him and he looks at me. This is what a certain peasant of ours in the time of his holy curate used to say while praying before the tabernacle. The curate of ours, John Vianney, asked this old man, what are you doing? I'm looking at him, he's looking at me. It's good enough. This focus on Jesus is a renunciation of self. His gaze purifies our heart. The light of the countenance of Jesus illumines the eyes of our heart and teaches us to see everything in the light of his truth and his compassion for all men. That's really beautiful. The light of the countenance of Jesus illumines the eyes of our hearts and teaches us to see everything in the light of his truth and his compassion for all men, starting with ourselves, starting with ourselves. A nice little prayer. I had a prayer card. I passed it out back in the day, but the little prayer was, Lord, help me to see and love in myself what you see and love in me. Lord, help me to see and love in myself what you see and love in me. And Lord, help me to see and love in others what you see and love in them. I have a great story from a Raymond Christie member in Chicago. She will not be named. But uh, uh, her father-in-law lived with her and her husband. They were empty nesters besides that. But he was a rather ornery fella and would often get upset with her and for anything and everything. And she would always ask, Lord, help me to see you in my father-in-law, please. And she said one day she was driving home, running late to take him to an appointment. So she knew that she was going to get raked over the coals for running late. And so she gets home and sure enough, he starts yelling at her but she said sure enough as I as I looked at him I literally saw the face of Jesus the Lord gave me that grace he like you know replaced the face of my father-in-law with his own face so she was like thank you Jesus okay whatever I do to my father-in-law I do to you so I won't kill him 
contemplation also turns its gaze on the mysteries of the life of Christ. Thus it learns the interior knowledge of our Lord, the more to love him and follow him. Very true. And I think the the chosen has been helpful with that, giving us some very vivid images of Jesus in these different scenes of the gospel. And you can insert yourself in those places or you can just, again, contemplate them, look at them. But perhaps as a, as a closer bystander, fixing your gaze on Jesus and getting in touch with his heart, getting to taste and see and feel his goodness, his kindness, his compassion. So good. Okay. Well, we're moving right along here. Chapter 7. Chapter 7 of the song. Song of Songs. This one's quite short. So now we're definitely moving into a more, a much more mature place as we read chapter seven and eight. It's definitely a very mature place. And it's not that you haven't had these experiences either. I think the Lord, I mean, you may have had them this weekend already. Right, where you experience this, this closeness, this union of mind and heart with Jesus. So I believe the Lord gives us glimpses of these experiences and of this unitive state, if you will, so that we desire it all more. So that we desire it all more. So Lord, grant us a desire for this unitive stage, for this union of mind and heart and will with you. So this is Jesus speaking here in verse one. How beautiful on the mountains are the sandaled feet of this one bringing such good news. You are truly royalty. The way you walk so gracefully in my ways displays such dignity. Dignity speaking to identity. You are truly the poetry of God, his very handiwork. So remember, as we get along, as we mature in this way, it's really more a work of God. We become much more passive in these later stages. You know, where's Teresa Babala? I think that's her back there, right? If you haven't read any of her stuff, she's got some good stuff where she describes, you know, all these different, the the interior castle. It's archaic language, but 
perhaps it inspires you and it can help to understand perhaps some of the things that happen to the soul as it advances. So it gives you something to look forward to, helps you to understand perhaps what you're going through. But one thing she insists on is this is a work of God. As you move from the illuminative to the, the unitive stage of your relationship with God, it's, it's a work of God. And it's a slow process. It doesn't happen overnight. Out of your innermost being is flowing the fullness of my spirit, never failing to satisfy. Within your womb, there is a birthing of harvest wheat. They are the sons and daughters nurtured by the purity you impart. How gracious you have become. So that, I think that speaks very beautifully of spiritual motherhood and how you can continue to bear children in the order of grace. In the order of grace. I haven't talked about that very specifically yet, but when we're, when we're baptized, we enter into the order of grace. We become new creatures, so to speak. And that's all done in the order of grace. So there is a new world order, and Jesus is its founder. <laughs> the order of grace. Mary has become our mother in the order of grace. And you can become mothers in the order of grace as you pray for people. As you suffer for them. Suffer labor pains for their liberation, for their healing. Not only for your own children, but for others as well. Your life stands tall as a tower, like a shining light on a hill. Your revelation eyes are pure, like pools of refreshing, sparkling light for a multitude. Such discernment surrounds you protecting you from the enemy's advance. I think that's where the, the sacred story was so helpful because it helps to teach you how to discern the movements of the spirit. That's another gift you can ask for, a greater discernment of spirits. And it's good to note this came up in a conversation with one of you, but I'll just mention it here for all of you. Remember the enemy, the devil, and his comrades. So demons can, can put thoughts in your head. You gotta remember that. Because sometimes you might have a thought and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just thought that. Well, it may not have been your thought. It's good to remember that. And they can also influence your emotions. So women, take note. <laughs> you know, demons can influence your emotions as well. So if you've ever seen an argument go from zero to a hundred, 
in about two seconds probably had something to do with some demons stoking the fire. So it's just good to be aware of that. What's at work here? I'm feeling this, thinking this, or I thought it. Where is that coming from? Lord, is that you? (laughs) Doesn't sound like you, doesn't feel like you. Redeeming love, verse 5, redeeming love crowns you as royalty. Your thoughts are full of life, wisdom, and virtue. Even a king is held captive by your beauty. How delicious is your fair beauty. It cannot be described as I count the delights you bring to me. Love has become the greatest. Again, the Lord delighting in you. Remember our definition of joy, to be in the presence of someone that you know is delighting in you, is happy to be with you. And you can be real honest with the Lord when you go before him, Lord, I don't know that I've ever felt you delighting in me. I would love to feel you delighting in me. Lord, help me to do that. <laughs> help me, I believe it. Make an act of faith in it. Lord, you say that you delight in me. Help me to experience that for myself. Lord, help me to experience that. And there is nothing sweeter, more delightful than that when you have that experience. And as we have those experiences, remember then to respond in faith to those. To respond in faith. It's going to be really important tonight. We're going to be praying for a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that does is helped to bring the scriptures alive. It helps you to have an experience of the love of Abba and the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It fans into flame other charismatic gifts and the presence of God. And it can be very powerful. It can be life-changing. And so then, as it's happening, and after it happens, make an act of faith in that. That was God. Wow. Thank you, God, for revealing yourself, for manifesting your presence to me in that way. I want more of that. I want more of that in my life. And he'll answer that prayer.
Verse 8, now I decree, I will ascend my palm tree. I will take hold of you with my power, possessing every part of my fruitful bride. Your love I will drink as wine, for your words will be mine. For your kisses of love are exhilarating more than any delight I've known before. Your kisses of love awaken even the lips of sleeping ones. So look at that in verse 8. I will take hold of you with my power, possessing every part of, every part of my fruitful bride. So a good kind of possession, <laughs> a possession of the Holy Spirit. He, he thinks his thoughts with your, your mind and he loves with his heart in your heart and he, he speaks with your lips and he moves with your feet. The bride responds, verse 10, Now I know that I am for my beloved and all his desires are fulfilled in me. Come away, my lover. Come with me to the faraway fields. We will run away together to the forgotten places and show them redeeming love. Let us arise and run to the vineyards of your people and see if the budding vines of love are now in full bloom. We will discover if their passion is awakened. There I will display my love for you. The love apples are in bloom, sending forth their fragrance of spring. The rarest of fruits are found at our doors, the new as well as the old. I've stored them for you, my lover friend. So the love can no longer be contained. This love that the bride has for her beloved has to be expressed, has to be manifested, has to be returned. And as we said the other day, I like to repeat Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 10. Revelation 19.10, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So as you testify to what Jesus has done for you, it releases a power so that people are open to having the spirit do that in their lives too. As you testify to what Jesus has done for you, that releases the Holy Spirit to do the same in the lives of your listeners. That's the power of testimony. I can remember very clearly being at the Encounter Conference December of 2022, so I was in between the third and the fourth and final semester of 
my second year in encounter school, and they brought Damien Stain in from England, this gentleman with a great anointing for healing, and I'm just standing there in my seat watching this gentleman heal all kinds of people. And I, I don't know that I actually pointed, but in my mind's eye, I was pointing at Damien, and I was just saying, wow, what a testimony. Lord, I want to see more of that in my life. Lord, I want to see more of that in my life. And he answered that prayer. I've seen more of that in my life since then. So we get what we ask for, dear sisters. We get what we ask for in prayer. Just like in sales, if, you have, if there's any saleswomen out there. <laughs> you get what you ask for, right? So in prayer, you get what you ask for. So ask, be bold, aim high. <laughs> or shoot high, aim small, I don't know. <laughs> no, just go for it. Be not afraid. Be not afraid of what God is going to ask of me. All he's going to ask of you is to be open. To be open. To receiving more of him. And then as you receive more and more of him, he'll have to put the reins on you. 